singing in the kitchen. You are listening to Redeemer Radio, a weekly conversation connecting the gospel of Jesus Christ to the questions and issues of everyday life. Hosted by the leaders of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Greetings, Redeemer family. Welcome to Redeemer Radio. This is our first episode ever. We're pretty excited. Uh, I'm Ross. I'm the assistant pastor here at Redeemer, and we are joined on my left here by birthday boy, Dan Seal. It's his birthday this week. He turned 29? No. Something like that. Um, and then uh, our resident podcast expert and student ministry coordinator, Sean Scott, is joining us. Oh, Thanks, Ross. Yes. Yeah. Delighted to be here. Yeah. Anything that's you know, helpful or, you know, with the times about this podcast is probably because of Sean. This is not his first rodeo. He has been in the podcast world before, so we're thankful for his input. Just so you know, if you're listening to this on the podcast, there also will be a video option um, on our website. We are recording this on video as well. So. But Ross, as, as I'm sitting here, I, I want to just make everyone aware that we all have, you know, a face for radio. Uh, so you should download this on your podcast app and spare yourself the uh, the torture of watching this in video form. Preach it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I can second that. Yeah. Well, Dan and Sean, what excites you about starting a podcast at Redeemer? We're in the 21st century, man. This is great. We're only 10 years behind. It's not, you know, just kidding. No, this is very exciting because um, I've listened to a ton of great podcasts and uh, while, you know, um, there's not always a need for oversaturation. I think that this is going to be a really helpful thing to do. Uh, and, and, and I think that the conversation that we're going to be having is really exciting. And this is a unique medium to do it through. And I think it's, I think it's going to be helpful, not only hopefully to the listeners, but to me as well. Uh, this is going to be fun for, for me to, to experience with you guys. So. Yeah, I'm excited because Sean's wanted to do this for so long. And uh, <laughs> as we were trying to figure out how can we continue to be involved in helping shape you and encourage you to follow Christ. Uh, there's a lot of voices out there that are shaping you already. And with the uh, inability to gather together, like for Sunday school and other things, we hope this will be a voice that the Lord can use to make you become more like Christ, our brother. Right. Well, um, if you had a chance to listen to my trailer, you know that um, our season one of the podcast is called Life Together. Thoughts and Stories on Church as Family. So our first episode is called Family Identity, uh, looking at what does it mean to think of church as family. So before we dive into some of the passages, I was wondering, Dan and Sean, could you speak a little to the importance and relevance of this topic for our church in this moment? Man, I think uh, it's incredibly relevant. One, I think the Bible does such a clear vision of the church's family, which we're going to unpack in a few minutes. But right now, everyone feels so disconnected. Uh, and so then if you look at that, what we're feeling, and then several years ago, we did a survey of the church. What do you love about Redeemer? One of the main feedbacks was that they're family. And so I think some of that's been challenged by everything that's going on, by our inability to, to gather together, like for family meals, life's become more isolated. So I th hope that in some ways, as we remind ourselves of what's true about who we are uh, in this podcast over the next several weeks, uh, that it will stir our affection both for God the Father and Christ our brother, 
as well as for one another's brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think this is going to be helpful because I think a lot of us are feeling isolated maybe from one another physically, like Dan just mentioned, you know, not able to gather in our typical ways. Uh, but then also with the potential for division these days, it just it's good to get back to, to our roots. It's good mm -hmm. to get back to what yeah. we were created for, what we were made for. God gives us clear direction on this. And so um, I know I needed to study this, and I was encouraged in, in, in the time spent preparing. Um, so hopefully this is an encouragement to, to you all as well. Great, great. Well, let me quick pray, and let's dive into some passages. Father, thank you for this chance, uh, for this medium uh, that we have um, to reach our people um, in this unique way and that they can have access to us and we can have access to them um, from their homes, from their kitchens, whatever they're doing. Um, and I pray that you'd use this reflection, this meditation on your word uh, to make us more like your son. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so church as family. I wanted to start in the Old Testament. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of a biblical survey here, kind of a 30,000-foot look at this topic. I kind of geeked out and um, looked up the, the word brother um, in the Bible, and I looked up all the instances in the Old Testament where it's used in the spiritual sense, where it's not really like a blood brother you're talking about, but it's like two people in the Old Testament talking to each other as, as family, even though they're not nuclear family. And that happens 98 times. And I was actually kind of surprised by that. I Coming into this, mm -hmm. my hypothesis was that this was probably more of a New Testament idea but it was I was surprised to see how much it is there in the Old Testament and when you think about this is one of the major points of the Old Testament when you think about the covenant with Abraham you begin to see why the family language is so prevalent in the Old Testament when God kind of begins his plan of redemption by coming to this man Abraham one of the things he says is I'm going to make you into a great nation that's part of how he's going to save the world is to make a start with Abraham's family make this great nation um, but, you know, even though it uses the word nation, there's also this idea of family behind that. And as the Old Testament goes on, you see that. The book of Galatians, Paul, when he's talking about this, he says, when, uh, know, that, know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. He's talking about when we come to faith in Christ, we're joining, we're being adopted into this family of Abraham, this ever-growing family. Um, so we have that wonderful children's song that I know I sang as a kid. Father Abraham had many sons. And so that's kind of instilling that idea of um, the family of Abraham that's ever growing. And then, of course, as Abraham's family grows, his grandson Jacob has 12 sons. Um, and God uses that kind of as a foundation moving forward. Uh, the nation of Israel is built upon the foundation of Jacob's 12 sons. I mean, that their 12 names are put on the breastplate of the high priest when he goes into the Holy of Holies. So like this notion of family is coming into the, the, the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. And then the nation is split into 12 tribes when they come into the land. So just family very much woven into the fabric of, of everything of the nation of Israel. And then the other major Old Testament point on this is Psalm 133 says how good how good it is when brothers dwell together in unity and that word brothers there is definitely more of the the nation of israel as brothers the esv study bible says this about that passage since this is a song of a sense so this would have been a song that the people were singing on their way up to um, worship in jerusalem the, the brothers dwelling in unity would be the fellow Israelite pilgrims gathered in Jerusalem, abiding in peace with one another. The ideal Israel is a community of true brotherhood. 
where the members practice mutual concern for one another. If this were achieved, it would indeed be good and pleasant. This should be the goal of church life, this commentator says, and kind of connects it to our day. So that's, those are some of the major highlights of the Old Testament. And you see, kind of in summary, just the concept of spiritual family is definitely there in the Old Testament. Um, and it provides major precedent um, as we go into the New Testament for that idea. Um, so the whole concept of God's redeemed people is couched in family. And I, I, you know, we have to note that the family that God kind of bases it all on, Jacob's family, was a very dysfunctional family. Um, there was rivalry. There was selling Joseph into slavery. And, of course, there's also redemption in that family story as well um, later on. But um, I think it's, almost, it's, it's encouraging to, to reflect on that. So that's kind of a brief overview. Dan and Sean, I wondered if you guys had any further comments as you reflect on the Old Testament concept of this. I just, I love some of the early stuff you talked about with, you know, 98 times in the Old Testament that the word brother is used. I think so often we can uh, run to the New Testament when we want to identify with something from the Bible. It's a little bit easier sometimes to identify with that, but to see this very clear picture that God has intended this from the beginning, that we would... Um, you know, that his people would be gathered in, in a family setting uh, and in a family way. I think that's that's really encouraging uh, to see that that even shows up in the Old Testament so much. Because, you know, it's, it doesn't always feel like the easiest part of the Bible to relate to. So, yeah, it's really encouraging. Yeah, it made me think all the way back to Genesis where the first gospel promise was through the seed, um, you know, of Adam and Eve is going to come redemption and then there's the seed of the serpent and you can really follow those two seeds all the way through with this image of family and just thinking too about how the church really started as family out of this promise and I think particularly in our western culture family is not as prized uh, maybe it's the nuclear immediate family and we don't kind of have that same uh, extension of other families yeah. um, and yet that's what we should become in the church so we'll see that more as we go along but I thought that was uh, that struck me as well. Yeah, that's great. And we'll talk a little bit more about this next week, but it's even cool that the temple and the tabernacle have, have house language. It's the mm. house of God, and that's family language. Uh, New Testament. This is more easily accessible in terms of um, you know the content of the New Testament. The first thing you got to start with is the fatherhood of God, which is actually a very much a, more of a New Testament phenomenon. There's tons of verses about it. Ephesians 4 is a good one. Ephesians 4, verse 6. One, there's one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all. And then 1 John 3, 1 is a great one. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And J.I. Packer gives a pretty profound statement about the fatherhood of God. He says, to, You sum up the whole of New Testament religion if you describe it as the knowledge of God as one's holy Father. Everything Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian as opposed to merely Jewish is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. So he, he seems to see a very prominent role of, of the father of God. Sean, I was wondering if you could interact with this idea a little bit, maybe even share a little bit about what has been helpful to you about the fatherhood of God. Yeah, so first, you know, just when you, you read those three authors, um, and, and you can hear their hearts coming through the page. You can just hear um, their the fact that they cherish God as Father. Mm. Um, I think being raised Catholic, 
I didn't always have that that clear idea of, of who God is as a as a loving father. I, mm. This cold, distant father that expected a lot from me uh, was sort of my my experience with God the Father. Yeah. And so when I hear the authors speak in this way, two biblical authors and then J.I. Packer, who's just a wonderful, uh, this is a wonderful quote and a wonderful gift uh, to God's people to be able to, to read this, this summary. Um, you, you just hear the idea of Abba Father, this father that you can go to and that you can, um, uh, yeah, that that um, extends the mercy that has been paid for by his son to you. And he wants to hear from you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants, um, you know, yeah, he just wants you to have a relationship with him. He, he desires that from, from his people. Um, it, this was just a revolutionary idea for me, especially as I, uh, came to know Jesus as as my Savior. This was a this was just something I had never been, I, I had never interacted with before, and I I couldn't imagine anything anything different. I mean, this is yeah. just the most wonderful truth that God is Father, and that He is so loving and uh, merciful towards His people, and wants to be in continued relationship with His people. That's great. That's great. So the fatherhood of God is kind of where you start with the family concept. But also the brotherhood of Christ. There's two, there's several passages. The two prominent ones are Romans 8, 29, which is a pretty popular one for other reasons. For those whom he, God, foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, in order that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers. It's talking about Jesus as the brother of, of the Christians. And Hebrews 2 takes it even further. For he, God, who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why um, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. So there's this definite concept of, of Jesus as our brother. Um, and that's something I, I know I don't think about very much um, and call to mind. So, Dan, you know, what are people missing? What are people missing out on when they don't reflect on their brotherhood of Christ very much or, or any other thoughts you have about this idea? Yeah, so growing up, I had an older brother, Bob, Bobby, who was uh, four years older than me. And man, I wanted to do everything he did. Hmm. He played basketball, I wanted to play basketball. He ran track, I wanted to run track. He played the trumpet, I played the trumpet for a very short time, I was terrible. <laughs> nice. But I always wanted to be like he was. Um, and I think there is something of that when we realize Christ is our elder brother, particularly that passage in Hebrews 2. The, pic the picture is so amazing. He's not afraid to say that we're his. As messed up as we are, he's not ashamed to say, no, you're my brother. Yeah. And then the image is he's grabbing us by the hand and taking us into the throne room of God to worship with the people of God. I mean, yeah. that's a privilege. I remember when my brother would let me hang out with he and his friends, and I just felt like the biggest kid in the world, right? Wow. And so the sense to be able to know that Christ is my brother, which is rooted in, um, one, he didn't even mess, mention this, the Lord's Prayer, when he says, our Father. Yep. Like, that was so radical. Yeah. And it reminds us of a couple of things, that it's very personal. You know, you talked about knowing God personally, but it's not private. We sometimes miss that distinction. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, no, he's my God, he's my Father, but he's also our Father. Yeah. Um, so that'll lead to the next thing with brothers and sisters. But I thought of his prayer in John 17. Well, before the prayer in John 17, he's talking to the Father. He says, this is eternal life that you know God. And he's just called the Father, know God our Father, and know Jesus. So at the heart of our communion with the Lord is knowing God as Father and Jesus as brother. Wow. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah, so the fatherhood of God, the brotherhood of Christ, and then, of course, the more 
the one we see a lot is just the idea of the you know the brotherhood of believers brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, Jesus of course uses this language a lot in the New Testament um, 22 times in the Gospels he uses the word brothers to speak of fellow believers one good one is in Matthew 23 he says but to his disciples you're not to be called rabbi for you have one teacher and you are all brothers talking about his disciples who none of them are blood brothers but they are to call and, and treat each other as brothers and then uh, I think a really important passage from the Gospels that Jesus uses um, it shows up in, in Matthew Mark and Luke but I'll, I'll read Matthew 12 verses 46 to 50 I'm just gonna go ahead and read the passage because it's important while Jesus was still speaking to the people um, behold his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him we don't know exactly what they were wanting if it was time to go if you know they had something for him who knows um, but Jesus replied to the one who relayed that message and said who is my mother and who are my brothers this is a teaching moment for Jesus to this guy and uh, stretching out his hand toward his disciples now he kind of turns to his disciples and says here are my mother and brothers for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So, a couple of qualifying statements. that He is not at all here devaluing the nuclear family. We have to say that. That's the last thing um, we would ever want to imply, especially in our day where it seems like the, the nuclear family is you know, experiencing some breakdown. The Bible is huge on the nuclear family. I mean, one example is elders in the new testament the people called to be leaders of the church are called to love their family first and to love them well but um, i think one thing that is kind of understood here and a principle maybe underlining what jesus is saying here is the idea that our family can become an idol it can become everything to us our, our main source of joy and satisfaction um, i know that's a temptation for myself it can become ultimate so you know i think one of the points in this passage in Matthew is to look at our level of loyalty. Uh, is our loyalty to our nuclear family more than our loyalty to our spiritual family? And I think that's a question we all need to be wrestling with regularly. Um, and if, if, if our loyalty to our nuclear family, you know, is so much more than, than our spiritual family, um, I think that's a problem. And I think this passage here is an example of showing that that's a problem. Um, of course, that's not to say you shouldn't love and raise your kids and you can you can do both you can express your loyalty to God by pouring into your children and raising them in the faith uh, but if your commitment to family is hindering your walk with Christ or your loyalty to your spiritual family that's where it's becoming a problem um, you know the nuclear family is not meant to be in isolation uh, but to be a microcosm of the, of the spiritual family I, I think this the the nuclear family finds its fullest expression when it's enveloped into the life of the church, into the spiritual family. Um, I just thought I'd ask you, Dan and Sean, if you have any further thoughts on that passage in Matthew. No, I mean, I'll just kind of add to what you say. We sometimes talk about, in a linear fashion, God first, family second, church third, yeah. work I think that's very unhelpful hmm. um, because that's not how scripture talks about it. Like it's more like a Venn diagram, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they, there's overlap. Like to be, yeah. to love the Lord means I need to love my family well. To love my family well means to me, means I need to be a faithful member of the body of Christ, to be a 
to love God well, I have to be a, a faithful worker in my yeah. sphere of life. And so those things overlap. They don't. They, they can't be linear. Other than all of it has to be subsumed under, am I a follower of the Lord yep. and following Christ? So uh, that maybe yeah. that's kind of in response to your yeah. No, that's really that's a really helpful picture. I like that. Um, so that's the God. That's some highlights from the Gospels. Moving on to the Book of Acts. Um, this is where it really starts picking up. the The word brothers shows up a ton in the Book of Acts. Um, the Christian people are actually oftentimes just called the brothers. Uh, and fifty three times in the Book of Acts, brother is used in that spiritual sense. Um, but another really important passage in Acts is in Acts two forty two to forty seven. Uh, that kind of even talks fills out this picture of church's family more. So, Sean, I was wondering if you could kind of maybe read that passage and share a few thoughts. Yeah, it's sort of this idea of what do we do together? What is the fellowship? What does our fellowship look like? So it's this it's this really robust picture starting in uh, verse 42 of chapter 2. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's not, <laughs> there's like seldom a day goes by, especially right now in our climate, that I don't long for this to be yeah. true and pray for this to be true for Redeemer. Look at all the, you know, you just mentioned this passage about Jesus. It's these, it's this common bond that we have with our brother and, brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and the beauty that we can see uh, come through in this passage in Acts uh, when, when we realize what we have in common and how much stronger that is than all the things that we may disagree on otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, this is what this is what the family looks like when it's when it's uh, humming along and thriving, right? We, we, we're sharing meals together. We're serving alongside one another. Um, we, we believe the same things and we confess those things together. Um, I've loved that we've been doing these uh, uh, these creeds and, and repeating these things in the services lately because it's good to just remember what are the things that we have in common? What do we do together? What does the fellowship of believers look like? Uh, later in Acts, there's another uh, really helpful passage in, in chapter 4 that talks about it as well. Um, and I'm just going to read the first, the first verse. It says, Now the full uh, number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. It was this breaking down of, of, of um, you know, isolating yourself and, and really uh, just cherishing your own possessions or your own successes, really uh, breaking down uh, these these accomplishments that we uh, we tend to, to fall back on when we're unsure, but uh, instead, um, yeah, just being a family together, being a, a church together, uh, realizing what we have in common and allowing that to move us into service, into the service of not only, um, you know, our brothers and sisters here at Redeemer, but but outward um, into the community at large. Yeah, it's great. Um, so yeah, Acts has definitely got some important passages, and then um, Apostle Paul in his letters definitely picks up on this theme a lot. So Dan, could you offer a few comments on that? Yeah, I mean, you hit on one part already from Galatians three, where 
uh, Paul says, look, if you're in Christ, you're all sons of God through faith. Uh, you were baptized into Christ, put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're a Christ and you're Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. Um, so again, it's really talking about the doctrine of adoption. You know, that is so fundamental and really some say the apex of our salvation uh, because God then does become our father. But notice he's, he's talking about this distinction between Jew and Greek or Jew and Gentile and other ones, which also comes up this idea that the church is divided about so many things, about how to live out their faith and cultural distinctions and what they ate and what they drank. And, I mean, you, you hear some of those echoes today, right? I mean, people are looking at what people are saying or doing or posting and like, are they really Christians? How can they say that and be a Christian? You know, I, I don't understand. And that was the same clash. I mean, even in the letter of the Romans, the Greeks and the uh, the Romans and the Jews were struggling to get along. So he says, I, I want you to love one another with a brotherly affection because they weren't, right? I mean, they, they weren't able to do that. That was part of what he's trying to do. Or, or the church in Corinth that was split over a whole bunch of things and some of it just awful sin. And they're still kind of asking the question, but how do we live out together? And he says, you're, you're family, you're brothers. So yeah. even in this book where the church is divided, he's trying to say again, Kind of what Sean did that like what binds us together is so much more significant and foundational than these things that are dividing us and yet wow. today it feels like this is a new day for the church it's not yeah it's new for some of us yeah um, some of us have been through this at different seasons in the life of the church but for some this is the first time where they're feeling that but we're not alone yeah. and so that's why we're talking about being a family you know yeah. and that's exactly why we're doing this yeah absolutely um and then just to wrap it up real quick, the book of Revelation, there's a couple things. I'll just mention one in the book of Revelation about family. Um, Revelation 7, 4 says, I, I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000, which we understand is sort of a metaphor for all of those who are the redeemed that will be with God in heaven. Um, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Mm -hmm. So that's just this picture of a family with their father for eternity. Um, that is, in some ways, the goal of what we're heading to. So, man, having looked at all these passages, Dan and Sean, let's kind of zoom back out and start talking about, you know, what kind of hit the ground level of what this looks like for us. What are some implications for us? And maybe I'll start by asking, you know, what would you say are some of the hindrances or barriers to viewing or treating church as family? I mean, one, I think we don't necessarily even have that framework, right? So yeah. I think so much of, I, I wouldn't say so much of Redeemer, I don't, I wouldn't say that, but the, the broader culture looks at the church as any other item to consume. So it's kind of like, what's the church have for me? Does that have the music I like? Does it have a, you know, is the times I like to worship? Does it have stuff for my kids? Does it have stuff for, you know, that I'm in? And we're really kind of looking at it more in that consumer mindset instead of saying, okay, where's God calling me to be a part of this family in a local church where I can grow and I can use my gifts. Yeah. You know, in the Intro to Redeemer class or Discovery, I don't know what we call it right now. <laughs> whatever we call it, Welcome to Redeemer, there we go. Um, that was the old one, but whatever. We um, kind of say, look, we, aren't, we don't want you to be participants. Like, you're mm -hmm. family members. So we don't want you to just come and sit in the pew. We want you to be engaged. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you serve as a family? We all have a role to play. Uh, and we need your gifts and your strengths. and 
and your insights. Um, so I think that's one way is we need to have the right view and doctrine of the church. So that's yeah. an immediate application. Yeah. Our, my, our own experience, you know, Julie and myself, we, we did some church shopping because we didn't necessarily want to go to the same church that Julie's parents went to. Yeah. And we came back because um, we ended up back here just because there was this this aroma, this aura of family that exists here at Redeemer. And so um, just to echo some of Dan's, it was what's going to be what's going to be the best place for us instead of where like where can we grow? Where can where do we want? Where do we where are we going to be known and loved? Um, where are we going to be taught clearly the gospel? And it's not going to be about the pastor or the uh, the programs or the ministries that we do, but it's going to be about Jesus. And that we found that we found that clearly um, and, and, and ended up back here. It, and so I think a hindrance could be that some of that, right? The, right. the idea of independence, like you, you're moving out into your own life and you want to you want to have control and start things and do things, you know, your own way and forge your own path. And um, we found something much d- deeper and richer here at Redeemer, which is living life and doing ministry together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another hindrance, you know, we've talked about it probably ad nauseum at this point, but is, you know, the politics is when you find out certain things that are true about certain people, does that make you want to move towards them more in love and grace and mm-hmm. curiosity? Or does it make you uh, want to silo and, and distance yourself because how could that be true? Like, I don't want to be associated with them. Yeah. Um, I think remembering that we're all sinners, first and foremost, that have been um, saved in this miraculous way by Jesus, then uh, that really helps us get, uh, enter back in on a level playing field and really just have uh, an empathetic view towards others as well so I think uh, I think you know popular uh, issues of the day could also be a hindrance to seeing to seeing the church as a family because it's sometimes it's just easier to, to make excuses why you would why you would be different and other than someone else yeah. that's that's our pride just bubbling up to the surface yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and I would just add I think we can also have kind of an idolatry that I said earlier of our nuclear family that can make us we get all of our sense of family from that and then church is just kind of a place where i go to worship and of course we need to at least have that but i think we uh, the bible gives us an imagination for much more Um, so kind of going forward then as you take this you know biblical survey into view what are two or three of the more significant applications from this that come to mind for what it looks like to do church as a family you know why is this important what is what does this look like um, for us in everyday life I mean the first thing I think it has to start with you know God as father yeah and you know him as father through believing his son Jesus I mean it has to begin there yeah uh, so I think it challenges us to say, am I engaged in my communion and union with the Father through Christ by yeah. a spirit? So I think it, because it, it flows from there, because if I'm falling more in love with the Father, more in love with Christ, and want to become like my older brother, then that's going to impact how I, I love my siblings in Christ yeah. completely. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then I think the other application is, Am I moving towards my brothers and sisters in Christ? Kind of even, you said, maybe the ones I don't even naturally do. Like, so church should be more than just a a same affinity group. Oh, I like those people because we have the same political view or the same sports fans or we're the same age. Like, one of the things I love about Redeemer is that there's a a breadth of age and that there's such need to be around people at different stages, you know. And uh, yeah, I know I need that. I need people kind of older than me, younger than me, as well as at the same age. Yeah. Um, and I think one of those other practical things is like, it, it comes back again, are we worshiping together? Are we together? Are we having time as family? Like in our house growing up, 
uh, with our girls, like, no, you're at the family dinner table unless there's, like, you have to be out. Like, you right. can't just opt out. And so really for us, worship and community group, mm-hmm. those are times for us to be together as a family that are really yeah. important. Yeah. Uh, so those are some of the applications for yeah. us. I think this is kind of kind of a random one, but you know, I as we we're raising a toddler right now, and and whenever she falls down or whenever she needs help, she comes running up and and just and and, and asks for help or, or cries out for help or uh, you know starts crying and just wants to be embraced. So I think one of the applications is what do we do when we fall down? What do we do when we uh, mess up? When we what, where do we go when we uh, feel like we're struggling or don't know the answer? Uh, yeah. Do we move in towards our church family or do we? Uh, do we take another opportunity to isolate? Yeah. Um, and so I think another application of this is, is um, you know, the understanding that trust comes, uh, you know, after a period of time of, of, of being together in a family, um, whether you've been here you, since Redeemer's existence or whether you've been here uh, for, you know, maybe a month. Uh, just continue to move towards people and ask for help, ask for wisdom, ask for mm-hmm. guidance. Um, be humble enough to, to come and seek those things. I've uh, I just I treasure some of the uh, relationships I have with older with older men here at Redeemer mm-hmm. specifically because they're able to to speak into things that I'm that I'm struggling with or have questions about or ways that I'm you know struggling to love my family well or to do ministry well or, or whatever it might be. Um, just when I fall down, where do I go? I have a family here that's going to love and care for me and not not necessarily judge me, right? But mm-hmm. they're gonna, they want to help and um, yeah. So I think that's a that's another yeah. application. Thanks for saying older and not old. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, life experience. There you yeah. go. Yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah, I think I'd just add. You know, one one author has talked about how when we are united to Christ, it's a package deal, kind of like in marriage. Mm-hmm. You, you you marry your spouse, but you also, in, in some mm-hmm. ways, are, are kind of marrying into that family that they're in, and you need to be able to love mm-hmm. that that spouse's extended family. Um, you know, we can choose our friends, but we can't choose our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's this sense of loyalty that comes with um, being a believer, being um, adopted into the family of God. Mm-hmm. And this, this, these are your people. Um, and I think a, a loyalty that I know most of us have in some ways to family, um, our earthly family, uh, needs to be mm-hmm. just as much in our, in our spiritual sense. Another is more of an apologetic mm-hmm. um, application as just the, the, you know, God is, you know, in his wisdom, chosen to use his, his broken people in the broken church, but to use it to, to make the manifold wisdom of God known to the world. And I read in a book recently this picture of coals and a fire. And, um, you know, when, when all the material for the fire are close together, it pr- provides warmth for its surroundings. When it's spread apart, it doesn't really warm its surroundings very much. In a similar way, I think God has designed the church that when we're close together, when we're doing life together, there's, God uses that to make an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen that time and again in my own life, and I've already heard stories of how Redeemer has had that impact in Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just give a brief personal testimony for, from each of us. Like, what has been encouraging for us um, being a part of a spiritual family? I think, you know, Sean, you, were, you guys have both kind of hit on a little, a little bit um, yourselves, but if you want to fill that out a little bit more. Well, I think, so we, we moved about a year ago, and one just little thing, I mean, I, you know, 
seeing how many people showed up to help me move, it was I was I was literally brought to tears. I was probably a little revved up, uh, had a lot of adrenaline going, but I was it was I'm an emotional guy, so I, it it hit me. It really just hit me that That's cool. they were they were that people were there and not yeah. begrudgingly they were excited. They were excited to help me, and I didn't under it's it's. In moments like that, it still hits you, and you go, yeah. "Why would they be? Why would they yeah. give up their Saturday morning like that?" When we had Lily, when you know, when she was born, we had meals covered for like three months. We just shared in a newsletter recently how many meals have been provided for the different people uh, that have been maybe going through things. Their life has been uh, kind of disrupted by, yeah. uh, you know, sickness or death or or whatever um, it might be. Uh, just I don't know. It's just a it's just an overwhelming thing to see uh, when when. When God's people are so generous and mm, um, yeah. and really you know love each other in that way, it's it's overwhelming. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I mean for us, I think one of the most tangible signs of the church being family is when Debbie was going through cancer, and mm. we had to have help doing everything, childcare to yeah. meals to cleaning our house to you know transportation, just so many things, and the church was there as family. But I'll also say even, yeah, so that was very public, but then, you know, some private times where there's been uh, struggles that we've had to walk through and some of the people have come alongside and walked with us, you know, and been there for us. So mm-hmm. I think it's particularly in those times of crises that we feel family mm-hmm. and forge some really deep bonds with each other. Um, and I think, you know, even when we were drawn here, when we started the process almost 15 years ago, we sensed there was something of a, of a warmth here and a care for each other. And, wow. and I believe the Lord's continued to grow that. And we, you know, I pray that that'll be something that's always true, that people will feel like Redeemer really is a family. Um, even if we do have our crazy uncle bananas in it, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm probably one of those crazy people <laughs> half the time. But, uh, you know, I think it's important to take that doctrine of the family of the church and live it out. Yeah. Another thing, I'll just add this real quick. I have a, a video saved on my phone of one of the times that we did a men's retreat and we were, it was early in the morning on a Saturday morning and we were singing together, brothers mm-hmm. singing together. Yeah, wow. It was, it, you just, you, you get the sense of, of brotherhood in those moments. Um, just a beautiful sound to hear yeah. brothers coming together in song and praise of their, of, of God the Father, yeah. really, right? And um, that, I, you know, I just had a clear, a clear vision and a clear sense at that point of yeah. what it looks like for that to be lived out and to pray, you know, to praise, to praise him together in a, in a room full of brothers. It was, it's, it's just beautiful. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, I think I, I have very similar um, experiences that I was going to share. I think I, I would just echo those and add. I think I've been I've been able through the church to make friends with people that I would never have, mm-hmm. you know, rubbed elbows with, never have gotten to know people who have very different preferences, mm-hmm. lifestyle, whatever. Um, but I've through through our connection in Christ to have been able to build friendships with those people that are really encouraging. Like even Ohio State fans. I mean, yeah, the (laughs) the power of the gospel even has gone as far as bringing Michigan and Ohio State fans together. It's pretty, pretty cool. It does amazing things. Yeah, it does. So, um, you know, you guys have both talked about the feel of family here. I think my last question is just, what do you think has helped Redeemer Feel like a family for so many of its members over the years. You know, I don't know. I would hope that it really is just the preaching of the gospel. Yeah. Um, the fatherhood of God, the brotherhood of Christ, the union with Christ, and right. 
And I think in some ways for people, Raleigh, uh, though it's been fairly stable in our church, people are, are kind of dislocated or transplanted from places and are looking for family. And so mm -hmm. I think that's become part of who we are for each other. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, I wish I could bottle it, you know, but yeah. I'm just thankful for the Spirit's work. Yeah, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? What is what are we doing? Like what's actually happening? But I think it's I think it's just that we I think it's it's things like the breadth of age and being willing to go to go across age gaps and, and move into people's lives and to have genuine care for people's lives. I just think we're a we're a, a church where the spirit has worked powerfully in people and, and will continue to do so and we won't be without our struggles, but mm, yeah. um, but I think that you know God is faithful and that's just clear through uh yeah, through this through this body, that's this, cool. Through this family. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've only been here a couple of months, and I I feel like I've already felt very connected here, mm -hmm. uh, more than I expected to be at this point. I think that's such a testament to the people of this church. Um, so I feel very encouraged. Well, uh, great episode, guys. That was fun. We did it. Yeah, a little longer than we thought. But yeah, hey, hope, right. you, hope you're still listening to us right now. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Uh, next time we're going to talk about the idea of family gathering. Mm -hmm. um, you know what? It, what's important about coming together as the church, the assembly of God's people. Um, so, hopefully, we see you next time, friends and family, on Redeemer Radio. Grace and peace to you all. We're taking a chance.